This is the GOAT Level Podcast with your host, the GOAT, the legend, the hero, Van Pugh. I ain't gonna lie, fam. The NFL playoffs is lit. Alright, let me zip through last week's game. Because I really want to get hyped for this Giants-Eagles game. Because it's time for you to respect the Burp. And you already know. You already know. But until then, alright, let me zip through what I think about what happened in these wild card games. Uh, Seahawks, they had a 17-16 lead at the half. Like, they got overwhelmed at first. It looked like they were going to get ran off the field because they just could not stop the 49ers from running up and down the field. They gave up a quick touchdown. But then, I think that second drive, after their second three and out, the 49ers were driving down the field again, and they held them to a field goal. And from there, it was a close game, and they started battling back. And I think they took the lead off of a DK Metcalf fly route. He just straight up bullied, uh, I think his name is Ward. He straight straight bullied the guy. I mean, they got two wards, but the corner backboard cooked them. But then in the second half, I did a smooth brain thing and decided to go play Madden because I just had to play Madden. Forgot what matchup it was. It was one of the playoff matchups I was looking at. Anyway, I decided to play that. I think it was Giants-Vikings, and I lost, by the way. I had the Vikings, and I lost. Ended up being a nice preview for what happened later on, but I'm, I'm going to get to that. But I look up, and the 49ers are back up 21. Just like that. And I'm just like, man, what happened? I thought the Seahawks were game. Listen. They were just way too physical up front. In the three matchups, Seattle had problems blocking that pass rush. And it's just way too many weapons for the 49ers. And Brock Purdy, you know, he was a little rusty early, but then he got going and he passed for 325 yards. And also, I saw that he could run a little bit. You know, he did a little high step when he got out of the pocket. I was like, oh, okay, he got a little swag to him. Oh, man. Too easy, light work. We all saw it coming. Uh, 41-17. They say it's hard to beat a team three times, but when you're, but when you're just that much better than the team you're trying to beat three times, you're going to win. That's why the team's playing. That's why in those situations where the home team had won the first two times, or in a rare case where the the Titans and the Jaguars, I think in 99, right? Where the Titans were the road team, but they beat the Jaguars twice in the regular season. Usually in that situation, the team that won twice in the regular season wins the third time. They're now, what, 13-5 and five? or 13-7? and seven? Like, that's crazy. And it happened again with, with the Seahawks and the 49ers. And I'm pretty sure it will happen with the Eagles and the Giants. Now, on to the next game. The game that just, that was, this was the game of the weekend. The Chargers go up 27-0. I never thought in a real-life game anyone would throw four interceptions 
in the first half. Damn! Unbelievable. After the fourth interception, I was like, yeah, maybe Trevor Lawrence should just sit down somewhere. Because it was a bad throw, that fourth one. But, you know, you've gotten this far with Trevor Lawrence. Why would you just sit him down now? As bad as things have gone. Where the Chargers messed up is, well, first of all, when they were up 24 to nothing, um, what's Justin Herbert missed, he missed Allen. He missed Allen in the end zone, wide open. Go look at, go look at the highlights or go look at the, the replay of the game. He was wide open and Justin Herbert just sailed it. He sailed it. And they had to settle for a field goal. What if they scored right there? What if they scored? What would have happened? The Jaguars scored before the half. And that was huge. Because it was a confidence builder. And, you know, it cut the lead to 20. Cut the lead to less than three scores. I kind of fell asleep when it got to 30 to 20. I think I might have played some more video games. I don't know. I don't know why. I just decided to play video games in the middle of these games when the Eagles aren't playing. But whatever, I I did it. I don't know what happened, but it was a blur the third quarter. And all of a sudden, the Jaguars cut it to 30 to 20. I fall asleep. I wake up half asleep. I see that the Jaguars won. I'm like, wow, they actually did it. But somehow, some way... I wasn't that surprised because it's like because when they got to 30 to 20, I'm like, these guys ought to come back. And I'm like, if there's any team, it it just seems like the Chargers are one of them teams that will allow that to happen because they're so inconsistent and their play calling sometimes is shaky. And that's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. Trevor Lawrence, four touchdowns in the second half, and he didn't throw a pick. Unbelievable. And the the Jaguars' defense is underrated. Like, yeah, they they give up a lot, but they'll make it happen when they have to. And they're they're one of them teams. Kind of reminds me of the Bengals last year. That doesn't mean they're going to beat the Chiefs next week, because I don't think they will. But they did their thing. And now all these people getting fired from the Chargers. The offensive coordinator got fired from the Chargers. Because I noticed at the beginning of the game, it was a lot of quick passes. There were not too many deep routes. They were barely running the ball. And they just, the red zone offense was terrible. After they scored, like, what, their third touchdown? So I'm like, yeah, okay. The play calling looked like a little safe and predictable. It was fine in the first half. Second half, it let them back in the game. And they didn't even turn the ball over. That's crazy. But congrats to the Jaguars. Congrats to Dougie P. He just keep doing amazing things in this league. His, his firing from the Eagles was controversial, but see, we end up being okay. Because we got a pretty good GM. Now, the Bills and the Dolphins. Like, I'm surprised this game was close. But it's like 
the Twitter and TikTok mean. The more you F around, the more you're going to find out. What? And the Bills keep playing with that territory. It's just insane. The Bills had three more turnovers. Josh Allen had two turnovers. See, one of those fumbles ended up leading to a score that gave the Dolphins a lead. And this is all with a third-string quarterback, Skylar Thompson, who played with Kansas State. Another guy that's that's in the playoffs that gave OU fits. Like, usually we came out on top, but they got theirs too. Brock Purdy, Skylar Thompson, they got theirs versus OU. But at the end of the day, OU usually came away with the Big 12 title. It didn't matter. But that's neither here nor there. This is about the Bills choking, everyone losing faith. They keep playing around. They can't play around against the Bengals. They're a pretty good team. This, on paper, the Bills should win. They have a pretty good offense, obviously. They have one of the best offenses, one of the best passing offenses. And defensively, they're not bad either. So, they're pretty well-balanced team. Like, even on Football Outsiders, in total VOA or DVOA, defensive value over average, they're like third. Offense and defense. So, they're pretty well-balanced. They just got quit with the turnover. Now, the Vikings and the Giants went exactly how I thought it would, except the Giants held on and won. Because last time they played, it was a three-point game. The Vikings were like one or two plays away from losing. Once again, I knew it was going to be the exact same thing, especially since the Giants are gritty. They don't give up. Uh, They bend but don't break defensively. They kind of remind me of Jacksonville once again. It's just that, and also the Vikings have one of the worst defenses in the league. So because of that, that was all a recipe for the Giants to possibly win this game. But I still went with the Vikings because I thought they were the better team and they had too many weapons on offense. I thought that was going to be the difference, and it just wasn't. It just turns out that the Vikings couldn't make a stop when they had to make it. And Kirk Cousins couldn't get it done. But I noticed, once again, shout out to Football Outsiders, that Dexter Lawrence is a beast. And he was the one that pressured Kirk Cousins into making that quick throw on fourth and eight with the game on the line. He's going to be a problem, but I'll get to that later. So the Giants held on. They won. I'm not surprised. And besides, the Vikings, if they haven't been getting blown out, they've been in, what, 12 one-score games? And that was their only one-score game that they lost, the last one. So it's not really surprising that that was a close game and they ended up losing. They kept they kept messing around. They kept messing around and against a decent giant team that matched up with them well. And they just came up short. Maybe next year. We'll see. I don't know what changes they're going to make, but they better do something, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Who am I missing here? 
So it's one, two, three, four. Let's get to okay. the Ravens and the Bengals. The Ravens and the Bengals. Yes, yes. The Ravens and the Bengals. It was a close game. I should have known it was going to be close. This is a vision game. They had just played each other the week before. Tyler Huntley ended up playing. Lamar Jackson, once I saw he wasn't going to practice on Tuesday or Wednesday, I knew he wasn't going to play. And that's exactly what happened. Now, Tyler Huntley was hurt. I wasn't sure if he was going to play. He ended up playing. Cool. Game on. And it's a close game. It's back and forth. And I knew the Ravens' defense was going to make it close. That was the best chance for them to win. But, of course, you know the play I'm about to talk about. Tyler Huntley trying to dive in the end zone. After getting to the one-yard line, with a scramble or design QB run, man, if only he had got in. What if he had got in? Would the Bengals be on to Buffalo right now? Would they? Man. That, more what ifs. It reminds me of the TCU Georgia game. It's like all that made me think, what if? What if? What if? What if he didn't fumble and they didn't return it for a touchdown? That was the difference in the game. It was all hoping that wouldn't be the difference, that the Ravens would fight back and make it entertaining and, you know, we go to overtime or something or they steal the game, but they didn't. They just didn't have enough. Too many injuries on offense. And it just wasn't enough. It just wasn't enough, you know. Uh, congrats to the Bengals. They got it done. Tough victory. Hey, shout out to them. Now, the main event, the Cowboys and the Bucks. I told you so. Or maybe, maybe I ain't all that smart. Because a lot of people could see this coming. Anyone that really follow the NFL and these teams know that the entire NFC South is trash. And the Bucks just backed into it. They backed into an NFC South title. And we knew whoever would host the Cowboys and the Eagles or the Eagles was going to get killed. And that's exactly what happened. The Cowboys played the Bucks, And like I've been preaching, and maybe other people have been preaching, for weeks and months, when this matchup looked like it was going to happen, was that the Cowboys are way better than the Bucks. The Bucks are not going to be able to handle that pass rush. The Bucks are going to have a tough time scoring. But the surprising thing was, was you know, after the few three and outs, was how the Cowboys just went up and down the field on the Bucks. Just, just too easy. It's way too easy. And of course, you know, the Bucks offense wasn't giving them anything. So it's just what can they do? And now the Bucks are home. They lost by 17. And I'm not really surprised. I saw them get blown out by almost every good team they played. And the Cowboys was one of them. Not surprised at the result whatsoever. I guess there was some doubt, some feelings of doubt from the media because you're going against Tom Brady and the Cowboys didn't look good against 
Washington, they didn't look good against the Texans. And they haven't got out of the first round since like 2016. So there was maybe 2017. But it was a lot of doubt. There was a lot of doubt. But I knew that if the Cowboys played how they were capable of, that they were the better team and they were going to crush the Bucks, And they did. I should have bet on it. <laughs> oh, man. Enough of this. Enough of the past. Let's get to the future. Before I get to the Giants and the Birds. All right, I'll predict the Jaguars and Chiefs real quick. Quite simply, I got the Chiefs by 14. Too much Patrick Mahomes. Too much Patrick Mahomes. The pass rush for the Chiefs underrated. Chris Jones, uh, not going to be able to stop him. Uh, At the end of the day, the Jaguars... They're going to make it tough. They're not going to go down without a fight. But at the end of the day, the Chiefs will be too much. Like, and watch out for Isaiah Pacheco. They might involve him and then give him more carries than usual. There's just a lot of things that the Chiefs can do. And if you stop all that, you got to look out for Mahomes running. So, it's going to be tough. It's going to be really hard. I feel bad for the Jaguars. This is a tough matchup. But, hey, maybe they can prove me wrong. I would love to see them in the AFC Championship, even though I think their time will be up if they somehow beat the Chiefs and end up in the AFC Championship. Now, skip over the Giants and Eagles. So we got, I don't know if this is the right time. I don't know if what's first. I haven't really looked at the schedule past Saturday. But... Cowboys and the 49ers is going to be a close game. I hate to say it. It's going to be like last year's game. I got 49ers winning 27-24 because at the end of the day, they are the better team. But the Cowboys, I don't know if they can block Bosa and them, but it don't matter. They'll adjust. They'll figure it out. Tony Pollard is an X-factor. He can do so many things, and he's so explosive. They can definitely challenge the 49ers secondary, and that is the key to beating the 49ers. You have to get that front seven under control and expose that secondary. Seattle kind of did it at some point. The Raiders did it, but it's just... And also, you have to finish. You have to close. You have to do it for four quarters. And also, you have to take care of the ball because the 49ers are number one in turnover differential. Matter of fact, the 49ers have, are number one in every major defensive category except sacks and passing yards allowed, which the Eagles lead. But that's why... The NFC Championship has to be between those two. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see. I still think it's going to be close. But I got 49ers winning 27-24. So now, still not the Birds. Still not time for the Bird. The Bills and the Bengals finally get this game. That should have happened weeks ago. We get the rematch. This time the full game. Hopefully, pray, no one gets hurt. No one gets seriously hurt. Hopefully, DeMar Hamlin can be there and watch the game in Buffalo. 
at the stadium. Uh, we'll see. Um, but end of the day, the Bills are the more complete team, and I have them winning by one. I think they're going to win by a game-winning field goal. So I, I, I got the Bills winning by one. Just just too many weapons. The secondary is good enough to hold their own. And I think they can limit Joe Mixon enough. If if they can find a way to run the ball, if the Bengals can use Joe Mixon, that would be an X factor no one will see coming. And I don't know how the Bills will recover from that. But I don't know if they're going to do that. So I got, I got Bills winning by one. So now, the bird. Okay, the bird. Some stats. The Eagles are number two allowed. Number two in yards allowed. Number one in sacks. Almost broke the sack record by the 84 Bears. Let me tell you how crazy this season is for sacks for the Eagles. I went back the last like seven years and the leaders of sacks. You know what's funny? The Steelers led the league in sacks three years in a row. And four years ago, they were second. That's crazy. But even them, they didn't get more than 56 sacks. The leader in sacks usually have about 50 to 55 sacks. The 49ers are second in sacks, and they have 56 sacks. Or I think it's the Chiefs. Yeah, the Chiefs. 56 sacks. The Eagles have 70. They really get after the quarterback. They bend but don't break. That's why their passing defense is so good because, you know, the, the secondary locks stuff up and they give our D they give our D linemen time to get to the quarterback. I think that's mostly what it is. Uh, let's see if we got a middle-of-the-road rushing defense, though. And the Giants' rushing offense is number four. That's where Saquon comes in. But the last two times we played, they had, you know, mediocre rushing stats. The crazy thing is about the first time we played, because the Giants defense, they are 25, they're number 25 in yards allowed, 27 from rushing. They have a worse rushing defense than we do. On God, on everything. Worse rushing defense than we do. So that's why the second game kind of made me mad. But then I was like, wait a minute. I looked at the stats, and we ran the ball three more times in the third in the second game than we did in the first game. The difference is that in the first game, in the first game, the Eagles rushed for is coming up. The Eagles rushed for 253 yards, 8 yards a carry. The second game, where apparently we didn't want to put nothing on tape and the Giants played their backups, we had three more rushing attempts, but this time only 135 yards and only 4 yards a carry. And um, Boston Scott led the team in rushing while Miles Sanders had 144 yards the last time. Listen, if we can get back to what we did the first game, I know expert analysis, then we'll win. 
but it's going to be tough. The way Dexter Lawrence is playing, it's going to be very, very hard to just run up the middle on them. But that's the thing I like about the Eagles. Like, we don't got to run, just run up the middle. We, we could read option, RPO, Jalen takes off and runs a lot. Like, there's a lot of things we can do with this running game. And that's what makes the Eagles so hard to beat. Because it's just they, they can beat you in so many different ways. We got a good screen game. We got a good vertical passing game. We got a good intermediate passing game. We can run with the best of them. We can hand it off to Miles. Boston Scott always scores on the Giants, literally. We have so many things we can do in this offense. You know, we can RPO. We can read option. We can triple option. Like, it's, it's, it's a dangerous team. There's so many things you can do, and we got a really good O-line. I'm not sure if Lane Johnson is playing. I hope he is. But also, we're number three in turnover differential. The Eagles are number three in turnover differential. So listen, man. And 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 Daniel Jones likes, well, he's better with the turnovers this time, this year, but you know, he, he can put the, the ball on the ground or he can throw it to the other team. And that's what really can blow this open if we throw his turnovers. So, hey, we'll see what happens. But despite all that, I still think the Giants will be game, but it will be 30 to 20 Eagles because we are the better team. The better team got too many weapons on defense. We just put too much pressure on the quarterback. And I think we'll be able to stop Saquon enough to, you know, force them into maybe some third and fourth and longs. And then that's when the sacks will come in. I think we'll be fine. Because the bird is the word. And they will be absurd. On Saturday. You know really going to be absurd? Them fans. They're going to go crazy. I haven't even checked the price of the ticket. I didn't plan on going anyway. I mean, that's a tough trip to make. Unless I, like, come into thousands of dollars overnight, I am not going to this game. Don't even worry about it. So, (laughs) don't even worry about it. I ain't going. I would love to go to the NFC Championship. Or even the Super Bowl. But that's going to take a miracle as well. But it's okay. I don't mind watching my birds from home. And getting me some pizza. Maybe some wings. And kick back in the comfort of my own home. And watch this game. Also the Giants are 32. In rushing DVOA. I ended up looking at this. Because I was looking at a thread. Between um, Real Mama Eagle. And one of these Eagles reporters or podcasters, I don't know. And you usually look at Real Mama Eagles tweet about, is there any real statistical reason why the Giants are going to beat the Eagles? Look at that tweet and look at that interaction with the the podcast guy. Um, right here, his name is uh, Shane Half. Yeah, look at that. And he from Oklahoma. That's that's dope. Anyway, yeah. So 
Yeah. So him and Real Mama Eagle had a real good interaction about the stats. It looks like the Eagles should be okay. But this is the third time we've played the Giants. But then again, we're the better team. And like I said earlier, the better team in this situation that won twice in the regular season will win the third time. I can see this happening here. It's going to happen twice in one postseason. And then we get rid of the Giants. And hopefully it sets up the collision course. What we've all been waiting for. The 49ers and the Eagles. If it ends up being Eagles and Cowboys, that's fine. What we can't have is Cowboys and Giants. Because we all know how that's going to go. The Cowboys are going to win. I can't see the Giants winning that game either. So we just need to end all this foolishness right now. (laughs) This is not 2007. Let's end all this foolishness right now. And let's get to the NFC Championship and then the Super Bowl. Something that our rivals haven't seen in a while. (laughs) Gee. Okay. Wow, that was a lot on the NFL playoffs. Uh, The Wizards. Oh, Lord Jesus. The Wizards are lizards again. Boy, what is they doing? Here we go again. I'm looking at it. Um, I'll give them props, though. They did go into the Garden. Six-point underdogs by Vegas. But I knew it was going to be capped because I saw the injury report. And I saw that Bill was questionable. I was like, if he plays, we're definitely winning. I thought we were going to win in the first place. Because we had pretty much everyone else but Bill. I thought we was going to win anyway. Because like I said, when I saw the Knicks against the Hawks, I was like, this team is mid. Like, I'm not that impressed. Like, this team isn't all that good to be beating us twice in less than a week. And I was right. So, got that part of the bet. Didn't get the whole parlay, but I got that part right. That was a good win. That was a good win. Good to have Bradley Bill back. Hopefully he can stay on the court this time. I know something always comes up. It's it's a hamstring or a wrist or something. But hopefully he can stay up. Uh, But before that game, we had lost, let me see, one, two, three, four, five of six. And the one game we won was a game where we had a game-winning three. I think it's Kuzma who had a game-winning three against the Bulls in a 197 game. So I'm like, yeah, we're not playing well. The Warriors game we had. We had the lead and everything in the fourth quarter. But for whatever reason, the Warriors, they just, they just went through one of their scoring runs. Draymond Green, once Draymond Green started hitting threes and breakaway layups, we're done. You're, you're just done. Like, and Klay Thompson didn't even play. He was the only person that didn't play. Everybody else played. Even Steph Curry. Steph Curry, of course, did what he usually does. He had 37. But we still had him. Despite all that, we still had him. And we let Draymond hit some key buckets. And Jordan Poole hits, hit his buckets. And all of a sudden, 
We lose because we can't play defense. Just great. And then also against the Knicks the first time, we lost that game because we let Julius Randle hit some key buckets. So I'm like, man, this team's frustrating. It's a roller coaster. I already told you about the Pelicans game, how we got ran off on floor, and I was there. I'm supposed to go to the Magic game. I was. I technically could go, but I'm going to play it safe due to, you know, circumstances, financial circumstances. I'm going to play it safe. I'm going to chill. And I'm targeting I'm targeting the Wizards and the Cavs on February 6th. Yeah. I'm targeting that for the next game I go to. Or maybe I could go to the Hornets game. I, that's a, that's on a Wednesday. I, I got basketball. I, I'd rather not. So uh, we'll see. Or I could go see Buddy again on February 11th. It's, it's something to think about. Something to think about. Got to catch them before they go out west. Uh, I will think about it. Um, Yeah. The Wizards just... They're, they're just outside looking in. Um, if they don't, if they don't get some consistency going, they won't be in the playoffs. They won't be in the play-in. They're a game and a half out of the play-in. And you know what? I don't know what we do. What do we do? We got all these veterans. Our pick probably ain't going to be that high. I mean, what are we going to do? This is the year to tank. But we're not going to do that. We got too many veterans, too many good players. Hopefully, after the All-Star break, we go on an extended winning streak and we firmly cement our place in the playoffs. It's it's wishful thinking, I know. Now, Trey and Luca faced off. And I'm like, yes. Finally, they're on primetime again. Trey got this round this year, and I'm so glad because, you know, I'm a huge fan of Trey Young. been watching him since he was in high school, and he will be forever linked with Luka Doncic because they traded, they got traded for each other, and they were in the same draft class, and they both have multiple All-Stars. They've both been to the conference finals. But, you know, I guess Luka's better. I still think it's because he's bigger and stronger. I... I don't know, like, or maybe I think that's it. I, I think that's the number one thing. That's the only reason why he's better than Trey. But you know, maybe maybe I'm I'm wrong or something. But hey, Trey's team won. Trey had, let me look at it. Trey, he was he had eighteen and twelve, I believe. Yeah, he he had eight points at halftime. Not sure what he was doing. He shot five for 11. That's not bad. He had eight free throws. So he only had five field goals. So he wasn't really shooting as much as he usually do. But to be honest, I mean, Murray shot 18 times. Collins shot 18 times. I mean, Trey was dishing the rock. I mean, he's like Steve Nash. Now, I know people get upset when you compare them to Magic and Bird because, you know, these... These two guys, you know, it seemed like they're on the path to be Hall of Famers. And they're multi-time all-stars. They're game-changing, franchise-changing players coming in the league at the same time. 
you can't say Magic and Bird. Maybe you want to say Melo and LeBron. Okay, if you don't want to say Melo and LeBron, at least give me Allen Iverson, Ray Allen. Like, come on now. Or Paul Pierce, Dirk Nowitzki. That that type of thing. You know, two superstars coming in the league at the same time and being forever linked. Like, that's that's what it is. But honestly, DeJounte Murray had 30. And, and that's, that's what's going to make this team dangerous. Because they don't have to fully rely on Trey Young. Like, DeJounte Murray can go off and get hot at any time. And I saw that in New York City. And he was and he was an all-star, and he might be an all-star this year. So, I'm, I'm telling you, man, like, they, they won four in a row. You better look out for this team. Now, Luka had 30. Now, he had 19 at halftime. And honestly, he had, like, 27 in the third. Like, he didn't do anything in the fourth quarter. That's that's the key. They they started trapping him and and double teaming him. So the Hawks did their thing. The Hawks did their thing. Uh I'm proud of them. I can't wait till part two in April. Hopefully everyone plays and no one is hurt or resting people because I know it's close to playoff time. So you know, we'll see. Uh OU basketball. After the disappointment in Kansas, they bounced back. And I think they beat they beat somebody at home that isn't all that. They beat Texas Tech. Okay. They beat Texas Tech at home by one. I didn't see that game, but from what I heard, it was a lot of the same thing. Them kind of keeping teams in it and choking down the stretch. But they just, they did enough to win. But this Oklahoma State game, how they just went cold at the end of the game. Grant Sherfield did another second-half disappearing act, but this is one of the worst of his disappearing acts in the second half. He had zero in the second half. We got we got to figure that out. Who's going to take these big shots down the stretch? Can it be Grant Sherfield? Or does it have to be somebody else? Because that's ridiculous. The game is in reach. I was sure we're down 10 for half of the second half or most of the second half. But then they just pull away. And I'm like, Oklahoma State isn't even all that. They have one conference win. I know they had a bunch of close losses just like us, but they weren't all that. Like, we lost to them by double digits. Very disappointing and a step back. For the Sooners, it once again does not help help their resume, and they're going to keep playing on to the bubble. They're going to F around, and they're going to find out that you can't make the tournament playing like this. I'm going to keep saying it. I'm going to keep saying it until you see it. Ridiculous, man. Got to get it together because this is nuts. Now the Caps, here they go again. The Caps, oh boy, the Caps. Here we go again. Here we go again. Now, shout out to them. Great comeback win against the Islanders. Great comeback win. They were down 3-1 in that game. But I'm looking at these games. We lost to the Flyers back-to-back games. In Philly, at home, we're better than them. 
We have a better record than them. And we lost to them back-to-back game. Game over. You can't be serious right now. I can't believe it. Here the Caps go again. Going through their little January, February slump. And of course, they're going to pick it up in March and April. All for us to watch them lose in the first round for what will be the fifth year in a row? Or will it be the sixth? I think it will be the fifth. I ain't looking forward to it. I'm looking at the standings. And they are, they've fallen back to fourth. Remember, they were almost in first during that little surge they went on in December. Now they've fallen back. Um, I guess they're they're still in the playoffs, kind of. They're still barely in the playoffs. I mean, the playoffs are today. I'm sure they would be they'd be going against. Oh Lord, I guess we'd be going against the Bruins. I assume, like. Okay, the Panthers have 47, and the Capitals have 50. Yeah, we will be going against the Hurricanes. Considering that we're only eight points back of them, I like my chances. And then that will be nice payback for what they did to us in 2019, I believe. Yeah, we got to get that lick back. Remember, I was there at Game 7. Got real mad. Almost fought somebody. So hopefully we get that one back. But that's if the playoffs started today. We got a long way to go. But these guys got to get it together. Can't be losing to the Flyers and back-to-back games. What is that about? Then you lost to Minnesota at home after going up 2-1. Like, what is blood doing? <laughs> what is they doing? I, I just, this team is something else. You know, <clears throat> The Caps, sometimes they're all cap, and sometimes they are no cap. They be for real. But right now, they looking like cap. And I hope they get it together. On the fly, GOAT level combo. So, keep calling yourself the GOAT. Keep walking and talking and acting like you're the GOAT in faith. And that, in turn, will make everyone else around you better because your positive energy, your motivational energy, will feed off everyone else and will make them better and make them do great things. Because when you feel and act like the GOAT, you do great things. You do great things. It feels like nothing you can do, and it's all in faith. Praise God. Call yourself the GOAT. Believe you're the GOAT. And make everyone around you better. And that's it. So now it's time for the hypothetical game of the episode. Here we go. This hypothetical game of the episode is between the 19... 42 Kansas City Monarchs versus the 1943 Homestead Graves. Kansas City Monarchs 27 and 12 in the American Negro League 
1942, they won the World Series. They beat the aforementioned Homestead Graves. Graves. But the Homestead Graves, the next year, in 1943, came back and they were 53-14 and and won. And they won the World Series themselves. So, yeah. Only doing this of the Negro League matchup because I went to the Negro League Museum last week and had to pay homage. It was a lot of information. I didn't get to see everything, but it was it was pretty cool. It was it was pretty cool. And I, I got to go back and and look at the stuff I didn't get to look at. It even had some even had some ladies that did some good things for uh, Negro League baseball. Pretty cool museum. You should check it out if you go to Kansas City. So, okay, let's start with the Homestead Grace, who is managed by Candy Jim Taylor, who's a baseball player and ended up being a manager. Uh, he died way too young. Some of these Negro League baseball players died way too young. And it's sad. Um... Yeah, so their lineup was Josh Gibson, who's a Hall of Famer, All-Star, and in 1943 had one of the best seasons ever in Negro League baseball history. So that year, 20 home runs, 109 RBI, 466 batting average, 867 slugging percentage. But overall, he had... Two triple triple crowns was unreal. The triple crown is, I think, RBIs, hits, and home runs. You have to lead in all three categories. He did that twice. Unbelievable. One of the few people to ever do that twice. Two times World Series champs, three-time batting title, 12-time All-Star, second highest batting average in Negro League history. Unreal. Uh, Let's see. Buck Leonard at first base, Hall of Famer, All-Star. Howard Easterling was an All-Star. Sam Bankhead was an All-Star. Judd Wilson, third base, was a Hall of Famer. Cool Papa Bell, one of the greatest nicknames ever. This guy, man. This guy was a Hall of Famer and an All-Star. And um, if you go to the Negro League Museum... You'll see statues, little statues of some of the players, and they're playing a game, kind of like an all-star game. And he's kind of, he's in the outfield. And Satchel Paige, who I'll talk about in a little bit, he was pitching. Like, it was just so cool, man. But it it made me curious about him. Because I'm like, man, what kind of name? It's a cool, it's a real smooth name, though. 12 stolen bases. This was in 1942. 355 batting average. Third most hits on the team. He was 40 at the time. That's another thing about these uh, Negro League baseball teams. There's a lot of people under over 30. There's a lot of people over 40 playing baseball. That's crazy. I can't even imagine that during these times. Uh, so he led the league in stolen bases eight times. He's an eight-time All-Star, two-time World Series champ, and he's from St. Louis. Cool. Papa Bell. (laughs) Uh, 
Let's see. Center fielder Jerry Benjamin, he was an all-star. Vic Harris was an all-star. This 1943 team, they had eight all-stars. Unbelievable. That's just crazy. They had a heck of a season. Um, Vic Harris was an all-star. Johnny Wright, the starting pitcher, was an all-star. Roy Paltrow was the only non-Hall of Famer, non-All-Star, now on this list right now. Okay, now to the 1942 Kansas City Monarchs. Uh, Let's see. You had... Oh, and Judd Wilson was 47-year-old. He's the third baseman for... What's the name? That's crazy. And Vic Harris was a player manager before this 1943 season, which which is crazy, too. The Homestead Grays, they're going to be the home team because they, you know, they played in Pittsburgh. They originated from Pittsburgh. But starting in 1940, they start playing games in D.C. at the old Griffith Stadium. And that that is now Howard House Hospital. It's now Howard Hospital, but it that used to be where the baseball team used to play, whoever was there at the time. And I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, so definitely this is a this is a DC based show, so definitely they're the home team. So the whole Grays lineup bat over three hundred except for one person, which is unreal. They this team was crazy. But on the Monarchs, only four players batted over 300. And that was Brown, Strong, Sorrell, and Hilton Smith, the pitcher, which is insane. But anyway, on to the Grays. I mean, on to the uh, Monarchs, who was managed by Frank Duncan. And, okay, so you had center. You had catcher, Joe Green, all-star. Buck O'Neill, first baseman, Hall of Famer, all-star. Second baseman, Bonnie Sorrell, wasn't an all-star. Bill Williams, shortstop. Third base, Herb Sewell. Left field, Willie Sims. Center fielder, Willard Brown, Hall of Famer, all-star. Right fielder, Ted Strong, all-star. Satchel Page, who, you know, he had that statue. He was the pitcher of the little all-star, the little statue all-star game at the uh, museum. He was a Hall of Famer, an All-Star, and another guy with a cool name. Uh, Hilton Smith was a relief pitcher, Hall of Famer, All-Star, can pitch and hit. You know, that was dope. And then another uh, relief pitcher is Booker McDaniel. He wasn't used in this hypothetical, but he's there. Uh, Satchel Paige, this season, wasn't one of his best. I mean, he was two for five. Uh... 2-5, 2-12 ERA, 56 strikeouts. But throughout his career, he had the triple crown of pitching. Wins, strikeouts, and ERA. That's insane. Two times World Series champ. Two-time ERA title. He was an all-star at 46 years old. And he played a game at 58 years old. This guy is unreal, man. You got to be kidding me. Uh, Hilton Smith batted 324 as a pitcher. That's like that. That's like Shohei Otani type stuff. Jesus. Um, what else we have here? Willard Brown has a batting title, and they got a real solid team. They they really do. 
but that that 1943 Homestead Grays team was unreal. Jesus. So you know, let's uh let's see what happens here. So since this is we're gonna set this at Nationals Park. So since Homestead Grays are the home team, the Monarchs go up to bat first, and they immediately go one two three. Boom, end of the first inning. But then Josh Gibson, lead off homer off Satchel Page. Like the battle of the two of the best Negro League pitchers ever. The first round goes to Josh Gibson. So then a strikeout, two ground outs in the inning. So it's 1-0 Homestead Grace. So then a double by Willie Sims with two outs. And then an then a RBI double by Willard Brown brings the score to 1-1, and it's a tie. The rest get out in order, and then we're on to the bottom of the second. But then that's when Willard Brown robs Judd Wilson from getting a home run. It was a great play. It was a great play, but cool Papa Bell gets a single and jets the first. Then he still second on a Jerry Benjamin strikeout. And then Vic Harris deep hit the center in the gap, scores cool Papa Bell, and now it is 2-1 Homestead Grace. The rest of the order gets out, and then it became a pitcher's duel and defensive matchup after that. So it was 2-1 up until the eighth, eighth inning. And that's when uh, Satchel Page had seven strikeouts in, the, in that time. He had eight overall. He was on one. He was doing his thing. Uh, Hilton Smith had three strikeouts of his own. But then we pick it up, top of the eighth. After Ted Strong was walked, Satchel Page took a lazy curveball from Hilton Smith and hit it out the park into the second row. A surprising home run from Satchel Page and Kansas City Monarchs go up 3-2. That was his only hit of the game. 3-2 Monarchs going into the bottom of the eighth. Josh Gibson had a single to lead off. But then Buck Leonard hit into a double play, so now it's two outs. Sam Judd and then Cool Papa Bell re- reeled off three straight hits to load the bases. In a 3-2 count, Satchel Page gets Vic Harris with a high fastball in the top left corner to get him out and leave the runner stranded. It is 3-2 Monarchs. Then Buck O'Neill to lead off to lead off the top of the ninth. Takes a fastball and sends it out the park. 4-2. Monarchs. Looks like they might pull away and win this game. But Bonnie Sorrell grounds out. Bill Williams strikes out. Uh Herb Sewell took a one-two pitch, hit it up the middle. But Howard Easterland jumped up really high to make up to make the grab. And to get the third out, and it's 4-2, and the Homestead Grays have a chance to steal this game. And here we go. Bottom of the ninth. Satchel Page is taken out. Oh, of it. Satchel Page. Satchel Page hit a home run off of Johnny Wright. But, Okay. So Satchel Page gets taken out for Hilton Smith. So there we go. 
which is who is a Hall of Famer as well. So here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Back to the grind. Here we go. Bottom of the ninth. Hilton Smith in. Johnny Wright strikes out. Josh Gibson is walked. Single by Buck Leonard. Then a laser by Easterling is not handled correctly by the um, shortstop, and the bases are loaded. Sam Bakehead strikes out. Now it's two outs. Bottom of the ninth. Judd Wilson swings through a fastball to start off with. 0-1. Then he popped out for a foul. No, then he popped up for a foul. It went to the backstop into the stands. And then he laid off a low breaking ball. Now it's, now it's two and two. Two and two after he uh didn't swing at a fastball that caught the corner. Then Hilton Smith tried to hit and tried to get him with another breaking ball. But it's hit in the gap, two runners score, and now cool Papa Bell is up with runners on second and third. So now it's tied up four four, bottom of the ninth. After a fastball outside the zone, he hits a pitch down the first baseline for RBI base hit. Easterlin pretty much trots and walks home, and the game is over. They mob cool Papa Bell. He had three hits in the game, so he's pretty much the player of the game. And the Homestead Grays win 5-4. That's the hypothetical game of the episode and the end of the episode. 5-4, Homestead Grays win. And there you go. Had to pay homage to uh, the brothers that came before us. But yeah, that was a hypothetical game of the episode and the end of the episode. So GoatLevelTees.com is never too late to get on the bandwagon. So you already know that I'm out. Peace. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Goat Level Podcast. Make sure you share, subscribe, and get money.